This is Pound in Victory. Well, we want to welcome everybody to the podcast today, and thank you for everybody that's been following. We do appreciate it when people do that, and um, today we're going to look at some more scripture and welcome everybody to open up their Bibles if they have one. But if they don't, it's all right. We got you covered. We did a scripture before, but I want to go back and before we move forward and read it because I think it's very important. And this is one that I point out to people when we're doing classes that um, there are Bibles that have rewrote uh, scripture and they've taken things out. And I, I don't think it's good. I think the Bible also says, Paul said it, he said uh, a person that takes away or adds to the Word of God should be uh, accursed. Uh, maybe someday that uh, that's going to happen, but uh, we, we don't want to go there with the uh, Bibles that uh, have taken something out. Mm-hmm. So in Matthew chapter 20, yep. um, we read these before. I want everybody to hear them again. I think it's very important that everybody know this. Go ahead on uh, Matthew 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant that my that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized of the baptism that I am baptized with? And the, they said to him, We are able. All right. Um, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> they said, Yeah, we're able. Um, that was prior to the resurrection, so I'm not real sure um, that if they understood exactly what they were supposed to be answering to we know more because we have the entire Bible to read and, and look at the history of it and make our decisions, which is makes it much easier for every one of us. But when that question was asked, and Christ himself was asking that question, can you be baptized in the baptism I'm baptized with and drink from the cup that I drink from? Again, the cup, if you read about it anywhere in the Bible, it talks about the cup represents um, your destiny, what you're going to be doing where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And he was going to the cross, willing to die for humanity. And that was his cup. Uh, the baptism, he baptized to the death of the flesh, being in dominance, uh, sin, so that it had no rain on him anymore. And he said, that's what he's asking everybody. So if every, every single person out there read the Bible and they had the King James that question would be asked of every single person. Jesus would be asking you, can you be drink the cup that I drink from and be baptized in my baptism? So I want everybody to think about that. When that question comes forth from him, it's in the word of God. Every single person should be answering it. Now, I did give an example of something that I did, you know, with the cup thing. Um, not everybody's being asked to die, literally physically die to serve him but there's a lot of things that you might have happen to you that you got a cup that you got to answer to and your destiny is going to be decided by it and mine happened to be uh, leaving a job the very first time that I ever did this and 
I had to make a decision just for one soul to go ahead and quit a job, our entire income, our health insurance, everything. Everything was involved in it. And we did it. You know, my wife and I come to agreement, and I walked off the job, and the end result was good. But you have to make those decisions. The other one is the baptism. The baptism is our identification with him because he died to the flesh, and he had to uh, make a submission to the entirety to the power of God, reigning and ruling in his flesh. Mm-hmm. So we we just agree that we're going to do that and let the results come. All right. Now we we um, we know that in Acts chapter one, in the first eight verses, there's a conversation going on between Christ and disciples after his resurrection, and he's given them some information because. There was about 40 days that he walked the earth after he come back from the dead, and then he went to glory. In that 40 days, he was given instructions to the church. And he said that they were supposed to go to that upper room and tarry there until they were endued with power from on high. Mm-hmm. The Amplified Bible, the classic, I, I don't speak for any other Amplifieds anymore, just the classic Amplified said that when you did that, you would be receiving uh uh, efficiency and power and might when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there's an inward working that we all aim for to get Christ on the inside. And there's um, scriptures that tell us that God makes, as it is, a down payment on our souls, uh, an earnest payment of his spirit in us, that he's working with us trying to get us to be fully saved when we go to glory. Mm-hmm. So that earnest payment is what we are talking about, that the earnest payment of his spirit coming down and being with us and in us to quicken our conscience, uh, you know, our decision-making, and keep everything in line with him. So when we start reading in, through the scriptures, and we're going to uh, look at today, we're going to look at, chapter 8 of the book of Acts. What we're looking at in the book of Acts is the church that God created. And when we look at churches, we see it in the world today. We see many, many, many denominations. I don't even know how many there are in the world. (laughs) I'm sure it's documented somewhere. But there's multiple, multiple denominations. They all believe they're right and everybody else is wrong. um, There are more than 45,000. Wow. Is that more or less than you thought? Much more. Yeah. Yeah. They say about 31.2% of the world's population is considered to be Christian. Um, And there are more than 45,000 Christian denominations globally and more than 200 in the U.S. alone. My, my, my. That's according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, from my own experiences, when I I would follow the instructions of the Bible, mm-hmm. all right, I, I repented of my sins and got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now that was scriptural. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I did, and I have seen, met personally some people that they um, they said they were born again, living of the same spirit that I said I was. And we're a night and day difference in 
behavior. And fruits. <laughs> yeah. The fruit wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And and I'll, I'll tell you a quick little story. One time I, I was still working full-time at a lumber company at the time when I got saved. And there was a semi coming down the street bringing in a load of insulation for the company. Mm-hmm. And when I seen it, the whole truck was just plastered with bumper stickers all across the front of it, the doors, about uh, Christianity. And I thought, boy, this is going to be interesting. And when the man jumped out of his truck, he jumped out cussing a blue streak. Oh, boy. And the moment it started coming out of his mouth, I, I, I just started inside me, started praying to God and saying, oh, Lord, please help me. I've been identifying myself with Christ through my experience and a total life change with me. I, I wasn't using profanity no more. I had previously, and that was gone. And mm-hmm. that a lot of people couldn't believe that, you know, because it, I was so foul mouthed before. And now here I am. I'm not using any profanity. Um, I stopped all um, strong drink consumption. Consumption it, it, that was all gone. But this mm-hmm. guy gets out of his truck, and it's just the profanity was so bad, and he was so nasty and pushy, and then. You know, I, I honestly started praying, God, please get him unloaded quickly and get him out of here. You know, it was such a con- con- contradiction to what everything I received from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And yet he's claiming to be the same thing I am. So I've had many, many situations like that over the last 43 years. And uh, I don't like to see it, but that's what you have going on. So that's why we read the scriptures. That's why we want to stick as close as we can. Mm-hmm. Christ created a church. He didn't put a denominational name on it, and the people were just called Christians. Yep. So we're going to start reading at the first verse of chapter 8 in the book of Acts, and I want people to get a little bit of revelation here about the work of God. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, And they were all scattered abroad throughout regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they, they that scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before a time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was a, some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. 
Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now what verse are you in there? That's 15. Okay, now just hold on a second. I want to go back and talk about this a little bit. Um, Philip, we, we were doing a Bible study in a, uh, some people's home on uh, baptism classes, and the husband, the wife, and the daughter, and then another young lady was there, and my wife and I. And we had been studying and reading in this chapter, and then we um, closed relatively early in it. Mm-hmm. And when we came back together the next week, the guy said when we sat down at the table, I've got to ask you a question. And I said, what's that? And he uh, started reading the verse that, uh, you know, that said that Philip was doing all this mighty work. You know, and he was healing people, the you know, demons were being cast out, and so on and so forth. And then he said, if that be the case, why did Peter and John come down to Samaria mm-hmm. to initiate the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, the easiest way I could explain that to him was I, I had him pull up the classic amplified. Is that possible for you? Yeah. All right. I want to I do that for a moment for people's understanding here. If you've got it in, in uh, classic amplified, verse 5. Philip, the deacon, not the apostle, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Christ, the Messiah, to them, the people. All right. Now, the reason I go there is because uh, that man asked that question, and this is my opinion, okay? I'm not telling you that literally it's scripture, but I, this is what I take from it. Uh, the classic amplified expressed that Philip, the deacon, mm-hmm. not the apostle. Now, that's that's significant because I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so important and so sacred and had to be watched over that back then, the apostles wanted to be the ones that initiated the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they didn't want any falsehood coming in there. They didn't want anybody messing with that and making something demonic out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think they protected it very closely. So it was Philip, the deacon, that was doing a mighty work because he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to it initiating the Spirit of God to people, the, the apostles came down to take care of that part. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important that people should see because today there are things going on that make you a wonder. And I don't want anybody's doubt coming in them about the power and the working of God. Mm-hmm. It takes a complete submission of people surrendering to him that he can become the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings in their life. And he will be the one that's doing the work. And it takes a surrender for that to happen with mm-hmm. people. And that's why I want to clarify that. And here he was um, doing a mighty work, um, you know, getting people healed and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that is a working of the church. Again, we go back to Acts 1 in the first eight verses, and he said you will receive power and ability to do God's work when you get, when you get that initiation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you are in verse 15 there. Yeah. All right, go ahead. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's 16. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. 
saying, Give me also this power that whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of thy, the wicked, thy wickedness, and pray, <clears throat> God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when the Lord, uh, wow, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came on unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth the hinder me to be baptized? Okay, hold your verse there. Don't forget what one you're at. Yeah. I would just want to try to paint a little picture for people that are listening. Um, Philip was moved by God um, when he had been finished in Samaria to another area. All right. And then when he got there, he was walking along and this guy's riding in his chariot. Mm -hmm. And God gave him instructions to run and jump on the chariot with him and minister to him. Mm -hmm. The guy was an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, it's for people who don't understand what that means, a eunuch is somebody that's been castrated. And what you find in the Bible was, um, and I don't have time to go back there right now and show you, but I can later. Um, there's a scripture that says there's a higher place in heaven for a eunuch than there is for anybody else, a normal believer. There was two types of eunuchs. One would be a man that got caught uh, with rape and things like that and then they would take care of him all mm -hmm. right the other eunuch was somebody that voluntarily had himself taken care of that he didn't want any distractions to take him away from his attention with god and that's why he'd had it done he didn't want the lust of the flesh driving him he didn't want to have any, any separation nothing to get between him and god he wanted to serve him 100 percent fully mm-hmm 
And this man was one of those people that wanted to serve God in a mighty way. And he didn't want anything in between. Now, when we get to this next verse, I want everybody to pay real close attention because now this Ethiopian eunuch was riding in the chariot. The, the man of God starts interpreting the scrolls for him so he can understand them, what it was talking about. It was talking about Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection and the encouragement of everybody to be baptized with Jesus. We started out in Matthew 20, 20, and 21, and it talked about Jesus asking that question, can you be baptized in the baptism I'm baptized with? He's doing this through the apostles now and in the, in the, the servants of his that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. That same question goes out to people again. Can you be baptized in this baptism? All right? Now, go ahead and read that verse. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were... Now, hold on right there, please. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> now, because of that, I want... I'm, I'm going to do this in a corporate manner. I'm going to gather up all the scriptures in my mind, mm-hmm. and we can't go back and read them all, but I want to I say this, that we're going to read the classic Amplified on that answer. The classic Amplified gives the best one here when Philip answered him to why he could be baptized. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, if you have a conviction full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah and accept him as the author of your salvation in the kingdom of God, giving him your obedience, then you may. And he replied, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Amen. Now you take all the scriptures that you read in the Bible uh, pertaining to Jesus and what he expected out of people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't believe he's got any reason to have any expectations. He's God. He should just accept everything. And that's not true. He's got certain things that he expects people to do. And one of them is written right here. And the classic really opens it up. Mm-hmm. So when he was asked if, you know, he, what did it take to be baptized, Philip gives him an answer. Now, we were going to read that one more time real slow. I want people to get every bit of this. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, if you have a conviction full of joyful trust. Now, those are two things right there. Mm-hmm. that he wants to meet that requirement in order to get baptized in water. And what was it again? To believe? Believe with all your heart. With all your heart, not part of it. If you have a conviction. You have to be convicted about this. The conviction is very important. I know a lot of people, they get a misunderstanding between two words when they're reading the Bible, and what they get mixed up is conviction and condemnation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're ministering to people and they get convicted in their heart, they think you're trying to condemn them. And it's really not the truth. It's the convicting power of God that comes into your spirit and wants to get you to com- come to a change in life. All right? All right, go ahead. Full of, uh, full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah and accept him as the author of your salvation in the kingdom of God, giving him your obedience. Now, that's important. That, that, that's one of the things right there that really stood out to me that you vow your obedience to him. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because in the entire Old Testament, um, all the way from days of Noah to the coming of Christ, all right, 
all that, all that time in between there, how a person got saved was through obedience. God said, do this, they did it. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got saved. Total obedience. And that, that and when you think about that, uh, the generations of people between um, Noah's day and the coming of Jesus Christ on the scene, uh, that's multitudes of people. Mm-hmm. But when judgment had to be poured out in the days of Noah, there was only eight people got saved. Mm-hmm. The rest of the earth was purged. Yeah. In the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, when uh, that happened, mm-hmm. they couldn't find any righteous people, and God had to purge Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And I always reference it to like the sizes of cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. They could, the only people that came out of there was eight people. So when the Old Testament, you had to be obedient to God, and you got saved under those circumstances. Now, when you look back at all that time and all the people that walked the earth and only 16 people you're looking at mm-hmm. after those two judgments, that's not very many. No. Um, again, when Christ resurrected from the dead, the Bible says that he was seen with approximately 500 people that came back with him mm-hmm. when he went from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the hell, and ministered to the captives that were in there. And then the Bible says he brought captivity back with him, the ones that he could come back. Now, the, now the way of salvation for us today was not uh, appropriated back then, but it is now. So what did Jesus do? But through the mercy of God, he went down, ministered to those that were down there, and brought back those that he could. Now, out of all the generations of people from Noah's day to Jesus' day, there was approximately 50, uh, 500 people they would seen come back with him. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not very many people. Right. That's why it's, we have to understand that um, when we really get into the Word, we find out that Jesus expects just as much of us as he did them. We're supposed to be obedient with, to God. And whatever he calls us to do, you do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. And when uh, this Ethiopian eunuch wanted to be baptized and Philip told him, if you really have a conviction that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he's the one that you've got to be saved by, and you put your trust in him, and then you swear your obedience to him, he said, yes, then you're ready to be baptized. Now, I do this because I, I watch and hear of people doing things like they want to call a big splash or something like that, and they get you know, as many people as they can to come and they get baptized in one day. And what, I, what I've witnessed myself for 43 years now, and I say this because of the fact that I did the same thing when I first got saved. I would readily baptize anybody. But what I also witnessed was after those baptisms, I watched people go back and live like the devil himself. Mm-hmm. And it made no effect. And they were doing it because the Bible said to do it, but they didn't understand why they were doing it. They didn't understand the reasoning behind it. And you, you just watched a lot of people just basically And get that's destroyed. like an open call. It's like a cattle call. Like just anybody in the public can come and get baptized. I will say like recently, locally, there was some churches where like like a bigger church had several people baptized on the same day. But the majority of the people that got baptized that day, if not all, 
have been going to that church for many years and a lot of them were like doing it as like a rededication and they felt convicted at that time. I just don't want people to get confused as to what you're saying. They, these people had knowledge and they have been studying and growing and felt a, an unction from the Holy spirit that they should get rebaptized or maybe even baptized for the first time, but they've been in the church learning and have a deeper understanding now. That's why they felt they needed it. Absolutely. But it's these broad calls that anybody, you don't even know them. There have been, I've seen them on YouTube where like, it's just a pastor and he doesn't even know the person's name. And he's like, you know, yeah. wh- tell me your name. And then all of a sudden just baptizes him right there and doesn't have any idea his background or what he's coming, excuse me, coming out of or anything. Right. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Because the last mm-hmm. time we baptized people, we had seven. Right. And they'd all been through classes. That's learning. the thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we baptized seven at one mm-hmm. time, but uh, weeks and weeks and weeks of studying the Bible yeah. and learning why, wh- who they were, what they're doing, and who they're supposed to be afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we, we take great time and care about it. Um, There's a famous... Well, she's, I think, famous, at least for people that are my age. Um, her name is Kat Von D, and she was a, she's a famous tattoo artist. And she was really well-known for being sort of witchy and, like, gothic. Every, like, she had, like, a black wedding dress, and, you know, she was, she's been in, like, um, relationships with people, and it was very clear that she was involved in witchcraft and yeah. d- dark arts, if you will. <clears throat> And more recently, she was on Relatable, which is on Blaze TV. And she, it's funny to say this, she came out as Christian. Like, and she was saying how, what she did is she made a few posts, but she posted a video of her baptism. And she did that. She went through classes and... Um, she found a church and got into the classes, joined the choir, mm-hmm. and then she got baptized. But she said she didn't want to go through that until she had the knowledge of what she was doing. And even before she did that, she had gotten enough knowledge to the pe- fact that, to the point that she went through her entire personal library, which was like three to five thousand books that she has and owns, and she got rid of all of the books on the occult and witchcraft and sorcery and yoga and all of these different things because she felt compelled to do that. So she was like well on her way, but she talks a lot about that more recently. A lot of people that know who she is, it's like an absolute miracle that she became a Christian Mm. because she was so involved in all this darkness for a long time. But that's like, this person comes from like absolute, like, you know, her parents actually were missionaries, but she like ran away, moved out when she was 14 and just lived awful for many years. Yeah. And then she came back around. But that's one of the things that she shared um, in in her story. She did the exact same thing. She she wanted it, it's similar to your story where you wanted to go in fully yeah, and you didn't want anything left. And she said that she's like. I just wanted, all I want is Jesus. That's it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I never heard of her, but what a testimony. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're talking about it, you know, and why we're talking about it, because um, God wants 
a church. He's coming back for a church. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's very clear. It says he's coming back for a people that are without spot or wrinkle. Yeah. They're not contaminated by the things of this world mm-hmm. because this world has been contaminated. And he's coming back for people that are not as, not tied into it. Mm-hmm. But when we get ourselves saved, and we'd use the term, you know, saved, but, you know, I, I like to tell people that we'll really know we're saved when we get to the tree of life. Mm-hmm. It's at the New Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, Jesus took it, the Lord took it out of the Garden of Eden, you know, because of Adam and Eve's fall. Mm-hmm. And he took that tree of life out and he put it in the New Jerusalem where we're headed for. Mm-hmm. And when we really want to say we're saved, it will be eating of that tree when we get there. Um, and that's why I mentioned the earnest payment of our souls. Mm-hmm. God decided to put an earnest payment down on us that, you know, we have a basically a written contract to live by, the new blood covenant mm-hmm. from Matthew to Revelations. And we enter into that blood covenant with God and we we got uh, you know, I'm going to use terminology that you could understand. We're going to we're going to have small print mm-hmm. in the contract that we have to stick by and and live by. And that small print tells us exactly how we're supposed to be living. And that's with Christ in us and us in Christ and the very works that He did. We're supposed to be doing that, all right. And He worked walked in that pure life. He didn't had never had sin enter enter into Him. Mm-hmm. He, he, and the Bible says that there was no sin in him or on him until he went to the cross and he took humanity's sin on him. And I, I often sit back and just meditate on that thought, Chrissy, mm-hmm. that this man walked the earth with never tasting sin, never touched it. And yet when he went to the cross, he took the sin of humanity on him that he could bear that so he could break the curse of it on humanity. And you just think for a minute, like the only closest thing we have to that is like a newborn child, mm-hmm. okay? Because he walked with no sin, but he see, the flesh itself is sin. Right. We learned that already. The, that sin itself from the fall of Adam till now, every human being in the flesh is sin mm-hmm. until they get born again. Yeah. And get off the curse of it, all right? So the only thing you could think of close to that is like a newborn baby. Yeah. And can you imagine in your mind all the horrific filth and the trash and the sin of this world being placed on a child after it's born? No. That, that is so awful to even think. Mm-hmm. But basically that's what Christ was. Even, even if you don't go that far, I think everybody has somebody that they know or admire that is just a genuinely good person. Yeah. Not not even without sin, but just they would give the shirt off their back. They would do anything they can for another person. They have a heart for people. Even imagining somebody like that going through it yeah. is difficult for people to fathom. If they're close, a lot of people are really close to like their grandparents or their parents. Even imagining them to go through something like that it's it's hard to think about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here's Christ takes the sin of everybody on him. Yeah. But you know when when we read about it, and I, you know, around the time of uh, Resurrection Sunday, you know, we mm-hmm. talk about it and bring it up all the time. And what happened was Christ was on the cross, and when he took the sin of humanity on him, at that point, the Bible says that the earth turned black. It it was like an earthquake happened, mm-hmm. and 
I try to translate it this way to people, that when Christ was sinless and he took the sin of humanity on him, all of a sudden the earth turned black. The, the spirit of God himself turned from him. And Jesus said, why have thou forsaken me? It's because of the sin. Mm-hmm. He was flesh. He took the sin of the world on him. And now the eyes of God turned the other way. And he said, why have thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. God had to because he, he cannot tolerate sin at yeah. all. Yeah. And that's why we have this beautiful book telling us exactly what to do to get out of that bondage. Out of that. That's why that's included. I sometimes I don't think that people understand that like not there's probably things that were said in passing you know they're not written down oh, but yeah. it's right <clears throat> it's not every word that everybody in the bible ever spoke it's the most important imperative things for people to grasp and while they're saying that I'm going to say this that that's why it's so important to have faith yeah. Because you, if the Bible was written so every word was there, it would be so big we'd never cover it. We wouldn't yeah. be able to read it anyway. No. And that's why it's done by faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they include that, and that specifically that part about him saying, why hast thou forsaken me? That's included very specifically yes. for that for that purpose. Yeah, because God has to turn his eyes away from sin. And Mm -hmm. that's why he did everything he did to get us redeemed from it and get us back where we belong Yeah, is because he can't receive us in that manner. Right. And it's going to be a pure place. Heaven is already decided. It's already there. And it's already prepared. He said, I'm going. When he left the cross, he said, I'm going, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You Mm -hmm. get ready now because I'm going to have that place ready. And there's not going to be any filth, trash, dirt there, none. You know, it's going to be a absolutely pure, holy place. And that's why we have to be in a place where we're at to go, go there. And God's doing everything in his power to get us there. So when this Ethiopian eunuch wanted to be baptized, he said, what hinders me? He said, you've got to have a heartfelt conviction here, and you've got to have trust that he is the Messiah and value, you know, commit your obedience to him. Mm-hmm. Because there's a call on your life at that point. Yeah. You know? Now, the Bible says m- many are called, but few are chosen. All right. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, because when the Bible says many are called, what is it? What's the many? The whole world. Mm-hmm. They're all called. Everybody yeah. is. They're all called by God to come home. But only a few are chosen. And why is that? I just said this to somebody the other night. I said, because... The rest of them don't answer the call. Mm-hmm. They don't want to answer it. And the ones that do, then that cuts it down to a few. Yeah. You know? So only a few are chosen to come because they answered the call. Mm-hmm. So because their call, there's a high call on people to come. Yeah. It's not a, you know, it's not a, my wife puts it to everybody this way, get on the high road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get on the high road. You know, she told all you kids that all the time. Get she on the high still road. does, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a comment you were going to make? I don't think so. Oh. I, I don't remember. Um, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power, mm-hmm. the power that God wants to place in people, that's a very unique thing. So to finish this chapter off, yeah. I want you to go ahead and read the rest of that. Philip said, 
If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down in, both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. That is wild, number one. And number two, it is not talked about enough that he was translated. translated. Amen. He, he, <laughs> imagine you're in your chariot reading from the prophet Esaias, right? Yeah. And then this guy comes along and he's like, what are you reading? And you tell him. And he's like, oh, you believe that? And the guy's like, I mean... Well, I'm trying to understand it. Do you? Can you explain it to me? And then he explains it to him. And he's like, well, I believe that. Can I be baptized? And he's like, if you believe, sure. And then he's like, can we go to the water? They go to the water. He literally baptizes him, pulls him up out of the water, and poof, disappears. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... And you're still standing there wet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've way back when I first got uh, uh, saved... And I, I was um, reading this. That just, I sat back in awe. And I thought, God can still do that today. You know, I didn't believe it at first. I thought it was a, a misunderstanding of what it was actually saying. And I was like, no, is that like yeah. the person writing it said, and then he left. And then when he was, and when he turned up again, he was in this city over here. And then I had to reread it. And it's like, no, it was literally like a poof. He's gone. That's how powerful the God is that we serve. And, you know, he could still do that today. You know, just like. Um, I wish he would just really freak people out. You well, know, you know, he may before the resurrection, I mean, the, the rapture of the church. Yeah. You know, he may do that. See, because the Bible also talks about him returning again on the earth, and somebody uh, like uh, Isaiah mm -hmm. and uh, different ones are going to be a scene again. And at that time, you, you know, imagine. you know you're on the edge of that rapture t taking place. And I believe that can happen. But, you know, it was just like your brother said one time. He said, you know, that was after the death, burial, and the resurrection that in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, they had sold some property, mm -hmm. and they came in, and he came into the temple, and Peter was in there, mm -hmm. and he said, you know, they sold the land, and he wanted to pay tithe off it, mm -hmm. you know, and Peter said, how much you sell it for it, and Ananias lied, and Peter said, <laughs> the Holy Spirit was working. Mm-hmm. And Peter had no reason to say this other than the quickening of the Holy Spirit inside him. And he said, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? He lied about how much they sold it for. Can you imagine the look on Ananias' face? Yeah. And, it, and when that happened, it, just the mere fact that he stood in the temple lying, he dropped dead. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. Yeah. Because of lying to the Holy Spirit. And they carried him out and buried him. Later, his wife came into the temple and she said, where is Ananias? And they said, well, he's not here. And Peter said to her, how much did you sell your land for? And they had already talked about it. So she lied just like him. And the Bible says she gave up the ghost and died. And they had to carry her out of the temple. God can do anything he wants. He's God. Mm -hmm. 
but you don't mess with him. You don't, you know, you don't lie to him. Who you said know. that? Who was who was in the temple with him? Ananias and Sapphira were in yeah. there, and Peter was the one Peter. that was taking. He them. was asking. He's like, yeah. can you imagine? He's like, I'm going to ask you a question, but trust me, you're going to want to answer honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he said that much because uh, you know, they seems like uh, we're going to have to deal with this again. Right. You know, but this is a powerful thing, see, because uh, people aren't seeing a lot of that that God can do. He, he can do that. Now, you know. We're getting the extended courtesy of he, seeing. Of his mercy. Yeah, and seeing what those people went through and we're, we're spared that. Whereas like. Sapphira didn't have it, right? No. <laughs> like she just walked in blindly and fell for the same thing. Yeah. But we at least get to s- learn from their mistakes. They didn't have the the luxury. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we can read the history of it and learn. That's or, why the Bible or there disregard for it. it completely, which exactly, some people do. Which a lot yeah. of people do. Yeah. Um, the reason I told that story is because just as well as God could take their spirits from them lying to him mm-hmm. he took uh philip and translated him to another city yeah picked him Just, up over here boom. and dropped him off over here yeah so you know god can do either one he can pick you up in life and move you around or he can go ahead and take the ghost away and let you drop you know we're going to read much more you know not tonight but we're going to yeah uh show people more of what god expects from us Mm -hmm. you know and he should have that right to expect you know he died for us he went to the cross paid the price for our sins and our penalties he enriches your life daily oh absolutely yeah you know when the bible says this is a verse that says the rain falls on the just and the unjust Mm-hmm. And what that means is if you got somebody that's following Christ, living for him, committed to him, just like Philip was, when you're committed to God, the people around you get blessed just because you are. And yeah. when the rain falls on the just it's and the, the unjust, that, you know, they just prosper and, and be in good health because of you and I, anybody else is so, totally sold out to God. It, it affects their lives. Even unwittedly, they, they are mm-hmm. being blessed through it. All right. Yeah. And that, that's all scripture. Mm-hmm. So when we look into the Bible and we see what I'm going to say this before we close, the book of Acts is where Christ started the church. He sent people there in the very first chapter and told them, you know, in that 40 days he was on the earth before he left and went to heaven. He said, I'm going to start my church. And it was off a, a, a revelation that Peter had mm-hmm. of who he was. And then in chapter 2, in the first eight verses there, that Holy Spirit came, filled the people with the Holy Ghost. And then it's the rest of the, the uh, 28 chapters, we're going to be reading different sections of it that show th- what God expects out of the church. So when you look at church today, and you go to one, and you see certain regimented songs being sung, you know, they might make some announcements, you hear a certain amount of preaching, and then they make more announcements and make sure they take up an offering. And then when those are regimented systems that are going into place, that wasn't the church of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That wasn't. And, you know, um, a lot of people today, they have to have certain things if they're going to go to a church. They want, um, a lot of them now want coffee shops. They want oh, regimented sure. uh, temperature in the church, so they it's not too hot, not too cold. So yes. They don't have to sit with their kids during church. Yeah, yeah, that too. They you want know? lights and 
they want online services in case they don't want to go that day. <laughs> on they and want on events. And on. <laughs> they want a nice parking situation. And when they're uncaring like that, what happens is they have a, a social gathering, but Christ isn't there. Right. Because he's a spirit and he wants to work with the mm -hmm. people and they close him out. Yeah. And that's the sad part of it. Right. Because he's a loving God. He's a mighty God. You can have people's needs met, but you got to let him come in. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking at through the book of Acts. Yep. to see the church the way God made the church. Mm -hmm. Bless your hearts for coming and listening today. Um, we're going to get into some more of the book of Acts. I hope you'll come and join us and follow us. And we just love you and appreciate you very much. 